Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you. It is Thursday, January 11th, 2024, and today we're talking some St. Louis Cardinals news as it pertains to the arbitration front. The Cardinals agreed to terms with five players who are arbitration eligible today, but there was one player with whom the Cardinals did not agree. That was Tommy Edmond, as the Cardinals and Edmond will now exchange salary figures for the 2024 season, which is the beginning of the process that would lead to an arbitration hearing if the Cardinals and Edmund do not settle on a salary for the upcoming year before whatever date the hearing ends up being. So we'll talk a little bit about that today and why Edmund specifically was maybe a guy that we could have seen coming being a, a point of contention for the Cardinals on what he should make in terms of a salary for the upcoming season. I think if you think about it a little bit, it's not that hard to figure. It's not that surprising necessarily, but the way that this one could play out, as we remember with Ryan Helsley last year, sometimes it does lead to some awkward moments and perhaps uh, even some hurt feelings. Although with Ryan Helsley last year, I remember being down in spring training, and I think the way that he handled it was very professional while still sort of letting it be known some of what went on in that arbitration hearing room uh, was not super good to hear about yourself coming from the the, the the team that employs you. So we'll talk a little bit about that and the arbitration process in general today on B-Shape Daily. Appreciate you guys, as always, for joining me. It's been a couple of days since we've put out anything on this channel, but I do want to direct you over to Charlie Marlowe's YouTube channel. If you're familiar with him around the St. Louis area, longtime sports reporter for Channel 2, and does morning radio in St. Louis, still going to a part-time role on radio because he is hitting YouTube hard when it comes to St. Louis Cardinals content. And I will be joining him for a weekly podcast. We're thinking about doing every Wednesday. Maybe if people really enjoy it more than once a week, we could potentially look to do. But we'll be talking Cardinals over on Charlie's channel throughout the season. So you're probably already subscribed to him if you're subscribed to me. But if not, make sure you find him Charlie Marlowe, I think it's at Charlie Marlowe STL, just like mine is at B Schaefer 12 uh, at the end of the YouTube URL. Check that out. We talked for like an hour on Wednesday afternoon and basically hitting all of the heavy topics of the Cardinals offseason. So that was a lot of fun for sure and something that you don't want to miss if you haven't seen it yet. It's worth going and finding. Uh, I also put a post up on my YouTube channel directing you to the video. So if that's something you haven't listened to yet, there's another hour of Cardinals content that you can look forward to checking out. Uh, but 
with right here, we're going to continue doing the same stuff we always do. So make sure that if you like Cardinals content, well, you're in the right place. So hit that subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner of the screen. You can follow B-Shape Daily as well on Spotify and Apple Podcasts in podcast form. And we'll be having tons of Cardinals topics coming up. Uh, really looking forward to spring training. Planning to get down there in mid-February and take off running. Hit the ground running on the 2024 season. But for now, let's talk a little bit about what the Cardinals did today in terms of how they handled their arbitration-eligible players. Because there were six of them for the St. Louis Cardinals, guys that could have conceivably been eligible to go to an arbitration hearing. The Cardinals agreed with five of them. Those guys are Dylan Carlson, Ryan Helsley, who we mentioned did go to a hearing with the Cardinals last year, John King, Andrew Kittredge, the new pitcher from Tampa, and Jojo Romero, all arbitration eligible, all coming to terms with the Cardinals on a salary. Now, we don't necessarily know all of the numbers on those deals just yet. They tend to leak out from reporters. The Cardinals themselves do not tell you what the amount is. They don't have to, so they don't do it. But the reports tend to come out. I know that multiple outlets have reported Dylan Carlson is going to be at $2.35 million for this year. I believe I saw Derek Gould put out there the salary for Andrew Kittredge is going to be around $2.6 million. So those numbers will leak out. There's probably more information out now that you're watching this video that uh, we just didn't know about when I recorded it. So that's just kind of the nature of the beast. I don't think there's anything non-standard or surprising about any of that. Um, the way it works is after a player has three years of major league service time to determine the salary for that player in the, the next three years before free agency, it goes through this process. And if the player and the team say, Hey, we think you're worth this. And the, they, they kind of come together on a similar term. They can come to an agreement as most of the guys did today. The one guy that didn't, the team said, hey, we think you're worth this. Tommy said, hey, I think I'm worth this. And they weren't able to kind of trim the gap enough to where they could say, yeah, we'll sign on that amount. It's Tommy Edmond. And I don't think it's too crazy to think that that could have been the case, given the nature of his role. Because the way these arbitration hearings often work is if you were the the side of Tommy Edmond, if you're the representative, the agent for Tommy Edmond, or any player in this circumstance, you're going to go in there with a mindset of like, okay, Tommy Edmond is kind of similar to these players who have accomplished these things. And here's what those guys were paid. And here's how long ago they were in the same year of arbitration eligibility as Tommy Edmond. And so based on all of these factors, they kind of present their case of the value the player has provided and, and the similar players that have, have done certain things like Tommy Edmond in the recent past. And they kind of say, Hey, this is why we submitted this number. And we think this should be Tommy Edmond's salary for the season. In the hearing, the Cardinals do the exact opposite, and they say, well, while we understand that Tommy Edmond has done this, this, and this, here's an area where he's fallen short of our expectations, or here's something, here, here's why we don't really think he compares favorably to exhibit ABC that, that the representatives and the agents brought up to say that Tommy Edmond is like this player or that player, and they kind of, they get to both say their side and make their argument, and it is such an awkward thing every single year because there can be some hurt feelings from these that emerge. Uh, like I mentioned with Ryan Helsley, I think he handled things very professionally last year. Uh, I'm sure if you go back on the B-Shape Daily podcast feed, you can can see when we talked about that, because I can remember being down in Jupiter, um, right there outside the Cardinals clubhouse, in the, the throng of media members that talked to Ryan Helsley in the aftermath of that hearing. And, and you know, you could tell in his voice that, yeah, it's a little painful to hear some of the things the team says about you, when then they can turn around and say, hey, you're our guy, you know, you're our, our trusted reliever or our closer or whatever the case would be. It's kind of an interesting dynamic 
And is it the best possible system? Yeah, probably not. But to this point, nobody's been able to propose one that's better, or they've at least not been able to collectively bargain one that's better between the players union and the MLB teams. So as a result of that, we continue each and every year with the the way that this plays out. It can go sometimes just fine. And I would say as it, as it goes for Ryan Helsley last year, it certainly could have gone worse. Um, the Cardinals won that hearing against Helsley. Um, so the way that this works is I believe it's by tonight, the Cardinals will say, hey, here's our, our figure that we think you should be paid. And Edmund will say, here's what I think I should be paid or his agents will. And those will be the numbers that the arbitration panel will decide between when they hear both arguments. At the point where you have a hearing, which is typically between late January and early to mid-February, there is no arbitration panel saying, hey, well, we think both numbers are pretty good. We're just going to go right down the middle. No, the time for settlements comes before the actual hearing date. And the Cardinals are free to settle with Edmund, and Edmund is free to settle with the Cardinals. They can continue to negotiate between now and then. But once that hearing date arrives and you go into that, that hearing room, the panel will decide before you leave one number or the other. There will be no middle ground at that point. So that's why strategically it is important to kind of know what those numbers are. And sometimes guys, you can see the differential being as little as a hundred thousand, 150,000, like Trump change the way that we think about it in the grand scheme of things. But if you figure you're the Cardinals or any other MLB organization, your goal is to minimize payroll. And if you've got a handful of guys each and every year that are eligible for arbitration, Cardinals had six this year, five of them, they came to an agreement with, if you've got that number each year, that times 100 to 150,000 differential can can add up over the course of time. Now, again, is it significant? No, but maybe it's another MLB minimum player if you were to 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 have a hearing with each and every guy and to lose those cases. Um, but in other cases, sometimes the numbers are more far apart. We will, I think, end up publicly seeing, it'll at least get reported, what the numbers are, where the Cardinals file and where Tommy Edmond files. And I imagine if it's a, a very small gap, the reaction will be, oh, my gosh, why wouldn't the Cardinals just figure out a way to settle this? Yeah, just give Edmund, you know, what he's asking for and avoid the potential heartache of the situation. And, uh, yeah, I mean, on, on the surface, that would seem to be a great approach. This is the annual reminder, though, as if you needed any more reminders, that MLB, baseball in general, it is a business uh, at, at the highest level. And, and so the reality of it is this is the process that these that these teams and these players end up going through but it can definitely be uncomfortable Corbin Burns is a great example from last year with the Brewers he basically you know whereas whereas you saw Ryan Hilsley kind of I would say take the high road while still saying yeah there were some things said that it, it kind of hurts to kind of see how they talk about you um, I just I, I put an article up for KMOV today and within that article talking about this year's arbitration situation I linked last year's conversation with Ryan Hilsley because that was kind of an example of the awkwardness of the ARB process even when Ryan Helsley didn't win. The Cardinals, you know, should should feel good about winning their hearing, right? But at the same time, did you alienate a player as a result and was it worth it, right? Like the, the team chemistry aspect of it maybe comes into play. In the case of Helsley, no, I don't really think so. But but I do think it had a dynamic where the Cardinals made the argument in there evidently last year that, well, Helsley wasn't really available on back-to-backs. He wasn't available as often as we really hoped to see him available. And as a result, we don't think he should be paid as much. And Helsley like I've talked about before, probably sat there thinking, well, I thought this was a group effort. I thought this was a plan to keep me healthy, keep me fresh for when the games really mattered the most. And like, you can see how that, that communication would be very important in those moments. And I do think Ollie Marmel does a nice job of that. Uh, but that's why it was kind of like, oh, this is an awkward spot. Whereas Corbin Burns, he lit up the Brewers and said, I, I mean, they, 
went in that room and, and said, I was the reason that we missed the playoffs in Milwaukee in 2022. And it's like, whoa, that he was your best pitcher. There's no way that that makes any sense. Milwaukee Brewers, what are you doing? And then you see, you know, now nobody has an expectation of Corbin Burns to sign or re-sign with the Brewers when he reaches free agency, I believe, after this year. So, like, those things do have a tangible impact if they're handled the wrong way. Now let's bring it to present day with Tommy Edmond. Here's the reason I think that it would make some sense on a surface level, at least, that Edmond and his salary between what Edmond thinks he might be worth and his reps versus what the Cardinals would peg him at is the the uncertainty over what his role has been. Because if you look at past situations for these arbitration hearings, who do you compare Tommy Edmond to? Do you, do you go in there saying this is an everyday shortstop like the Cardinals said he was going to be at the beginning of last year? Or if you're Tommy Edmond, you say, well, he's an everyday center fielder. Obviously, he finished the year at center field. He is being talked about by the club publicly as the primary center fielder. He needs to be compared to uh, the guys with those defensive attributes and and that bring to the table what Tommy brings to the table. Whether from stolen bases to offensive production to, you know, what he does defensively. Like, all of that's fair game in terms of the way the sides will craft their arguments but like how will the Cardinals go about this? Because you could make a case that if you were trying to build uh, an argument against Tommy Edmonds value and, and thinking he should be worth as much money as he does, you could say, well, yeah, he won a gold glove as a second baseman before, but last year when he played second base, you know, look how bad his defensive metrics were. And like that could be a, a feather in the cap for the Cardinals. But then if you turn around and you're Edmonds side, you go, well, sure, but you told me I'd be the shortstop. Like how fair is it to then, use the, the the metrics at second base against me. And, oh, by the way, they're not telling me I'm going to be a second baseman this year. They're they're talking me up publicly as the, the center fielder that's going to get the most of the time there. So, like, it's a really difficult question, I think. If you look at the value of Edmund offensively, we've talked a lot about how he's really the, the profile is as a league average hitter over the course of his career. And if I recall correctly, I think he's right at 100 in terms of OPS plus for his career. And, that yeah, that is accurate. Looking now on baseball reference, he's got a 100 OPS plus for his career, but like that's also rated based on your position group. I don't have any idea how they come up with Edmonds OPS plus based on all the different positions that he plays. You know, he's a career 726 OPS was a little bit lower than that last year. The slug was down a bit from his career norms. Everything across the board slightly down for Edmond last year in terms of the rate numbers. Had a 248, 307, 399. That was the slash line average on base and slug. Uh, but he hit 13 home runs and for the, the third year in a row had at least 27 stolen bases. The prior two years, he had reached 30 and this year only 27. So like y- you can kind of paint a picture of what a guy is and, and what a player is. But when it, when it comes to role, it's really kind of hard to identify how the Cardinals are going to make the argument as to what Tommy Edmond is versus what Tommy thinks he is. And so when there is that sort of discrepancy, you could see how there there might be some difficulties for the sides to come to an agreement. And that's why they have the arbitration process. Um, we'll see if they end up settling before the hearing, if I had to guess, based on the way the Cardinals have handled things in recent years. And again, by the time you're watching this video, somebody might have a report from Mosellock who says, yeah, we're not going to settle. We're just going to go to hearing. But if I had to guess, it, with the information we know at this moment, that would be the way I would expect the Cardinals to pursue it. Because in recent years, they've had a willingness if an agreement is not reached with a player by this deadline, the deadline that's taking place today, Thursday, as we speak here, then the Cardinals are generally willing to go ahead and take that to a trial. It's more of a trial or a file and trial approach. I, I always try to say that backwards. You file your numbers. You say, hey, we negotiated up to the deadline. We did the best that we could. And now we're going to go to the trial because we believe 
you know, that we've got a case to be able to, to, to save a few bucks. And I know that each and every year when it comes to Cardinals fans, the viewpoint is going to be the same. Why, why is the team so cheap and why don't they value the notion of, Hey, having team chemistry and camaraderie and guys feeling good about themselves. You can sacrifice some of that by taking a guy to an arbitration hearing. It's interesting to look back. Tyler O'Neill a couple of years ago was a guy that went to an arbitration hearing. And because of the MLB lockout that off season, they had to push those back deep into spring training. I think O'Neill didn't have his until maybe even the start of the regular season had already taken place. Like it was deep into that spring to where that's something that was weighing on the guy's mind. And he's even said so in the aftermath of that. And so like you ask, okay, how often are there long-term ramifications of these decisions to take a guy to a trial, to a hearing and talk in front of a panel about how bad he is essentially, or how, yeah, he might think he's this or, or worth that, but we don't, we don't see him that way. And then, you, you know, you leave that room and you kind of have that awkward tension to know that, yeah, the folks that are that are representing the organization that I'm supposed to bleed for and play for and give everything I've got for, I just got undressed in a, in a, in a room of a, like a courtroom, essentially a hearing room where I got to hear about how bad they actually think I am. Like, good to know what they really think of me. Like, it's human nature to probably allow some of those things to uh, bleed into the way you the way you see yourself. And so that's kind of an interesting interpersonal dynamic that I think always comes up this time of year. It's always for the better if the team doesn't have as many of these these situations that go to hearing. Um, but it seems in recent years, there's always kind of been one that that tends to do so. Jack Flaherty was another. So, like, if you look at the track record of guys that have had that take place, O'Neill Flaherty, all, you know, I mean, those are two guys that aren't with the team anymore, which is not to say, like, Flaherty was traded, but, like, it's interesting that the way those two guys' careers have played out, they're no longer in St. Louis and now the most recent example that we'll have to watch for in 2024 is Ryan Helsley, who has since said, okay, I'm not dealing with that again. Let me just make sure to come to an agreement. I lost the hearing last year. This year, I'm not going to a trial. We're just going to come up with, with a number that uh, we make sure we get on the same page as the Cardinals. And so he's one of the five that the Cardinals agreed with today. Again, those names are Dylan Carlson, Ryan Helsley, John King, Jojo Romero, and the other name whose name escapes me, Andrew Kittredge, the new guy from Tampa. So they they come to terms with all those guys. It's just Tommy Edmond that they didn't. What do you think about that? Is it something that worries you, or is this something that as a fan you say, ah, it doesn't really impact me much? Um, the guy's going to be on the team, by the way. Like The deadline to have this impact, whether or not the player is even on the team, has long since passed. That was in November. That was when the Cardinals took Dakota Hudson, Jake Woodford, Andrew Kisner, and said, see you, wouldn't want to be you and allowed those guys to become free agents. Um, the Cardinals at that point had at least tendered an offer of some kind to everybody, didn't have to agree to anything by that deadline. But now today is the deadline where you do have to come to an agreement. The players got to sign it and agree to the terms. And if not, that's when you do pursue the arbitration process um, where both sides will say, hey, here's the number that we submit. We're going to file our number and we'll see in court. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly kind of the way that it plays out. Do we think the Cardinals could settle with Edmund? Sure. I guess it's theoretically possible, but it wouldn't surprise me either to see within the next day or two, uh, a, a quote from John Lozalak that says we, you know, we did our darndest. Our plan is to go ahead and, and move forth with that trial date um, and, and, ha and go ahead and let that hearing process play out. It's very um, impersonal. I think kind of the, the way that that approach dictates, it's a very business oriented approach because like if you couldn't come together with an agreement is one thing, 
But then to basically say, no, we're not going to try to negotiate and settle it to avoid this very uncomfortable process uh, because we think by doing so, we're going to be leaving dollars on the table. We think we're going to win. That's the reason that you that you approach it that way. And that's kind of the the policy that the Cardinals have adopted in recent years. And I think certainly when there's a discrepancy like this, when a player's role is kind of in question, like in the case of O'Neill, it was always, you know, Boris client. He probably saw himself as a center fielder and, and he wasn't one. And last year, everybody got to see that, but like there was reason to at the time have a discrepancy and the Cardinals said, yeah, but he's always injured. Like, you know, it's a lot of times it's guys that have that not, not maybe controversial, but like their role and their performance in that role can be up to interpretation. Um, Helsley, a great example, was a great closer, but availability was maybe a concern the Cardinals had. And they can look and say, hey, look, Ryan Helsley can go into this hearing and his reps can compare him to this reliever or that reliever given historical precedence. But he didn't throw as many games or as many innings or as many back-to-backs as those guys or have the durability of those guys. And so that's where the back and forth can come from there. Easy to see with Jack Flaherty, a guy who was often injured, but at his peak, you know, showed what he could do. And so Flaherty's reps are going to, and this has been several years since that hearing, but they're going to say, hey, this is what we view Jack Flaherty as. And the Cardinals are going to say, that's great. What about all the other, you know, years or months or stretches of time? And so that's where those discrepancies come into play. I think it's easy with Tommy Ebbin to see where it would come from. It's simply a matter of, well, the role is in question. Is he a second baseman? Is he a shortstop? Is he a center fielder? Is he somewhere in between? Is he an everyday guy? What do they make of his offensive contributions versus the value that he brings defensively and so on? So, like, that's where it boils down to for me. Let me know in the comment section, Cardinals fans, what you think about the Tommy Edmund spot and, and the possibility that the Cardinals and Edmund will end up having that hearing uh, sometime probably in early February. But drop those comments below. Make sure you leave a like on this video and keep subscribing and telling your friends to subscribe to the channel. Uh, always helps me out when you guys do that. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of the show. We will talk to you next time on Be Shape Daily. Peace.